the free for all roundtable round two all right let's have at it lots of debatables today tamara cherry is here from pickup communications also author of the trauma beat a case for rethinking the business of bad news bob reed is here not related to scott reed principal at broadwaystrategy.com the man behind the segment touchdowns and fumbles heard fridays on the jerry agar show Deepika Demerla is a Mississauga City Councilor. And Councilor, let's actually start with you on the matter of the Green Belt. I make no assumptions about what your position may be. There is an 11 a.m. unveiling of the Auditor General's report. We don't know what's in it, which is kind of rare that there hasn't been a leak. However, I'm told by several people in the know that uh, there's a bit of a sour mood in Cabinet right now. So uh, what are your predictions? Well, not surprising. An Auditor General's report is never, never, ever good for government. So no surprises that. uh, And, you know, what I expect, I expect no surprises in this report. So the Ford government has had you know, two lines of defense again uh, around the land swap. The first is we needed to do it because we needed more land to build more houses. And the second was it's okay to do it because we swapped out the land and we took some land out, but we put some in. And what I expect the Auditor General's report will do is go to the heart of these two defenses and really, really uh, show that, you know, it was not a good decision both ways. So I think it's going to shatter this uh, defense or this explanation that the Ford government has had on why they did this. So I think it's a bad day. But I'll also say this, I think It'll be interesting to see how it goes in the public, because some of it's going to be people already have their minds made up on this kind of a thing. But the one thing that I think the public will be very interested in is the integrity commissioner's report, because that goes to a man on the street issue Were very rich people tipped off so they could get richer. And I think that's the one that I'm going to be waiting for to see if that one comes out suggesting that something was inappropriate, I think that'll really change public sentiment. Bob Reed, I, you know, anything that makes a government squirm, I'm happy about. But I do tend to agree with some people who ask, what's the financial story here? I mean, why is the Auditor General weighing in on this? As Deepika just said, the Integrity Commissioner, I get, but the Auditor General, not so much. Yeah, and we're going to hear a lot of that from the government today, that this is mission creep, this is a big overreach, this is the kind of thing that the Auditor General has no business looking into. Integrity Commissioner, different story, but uh, regardless of that, at the end of the day, whether, whether it's this report today or the Integrity Commissioner report yet to come, uh, the question I think on most people's minds is, does it connect dots? Because the problem the government has right now is there are a lot of big question marks around the edges of this broader story. And ultimately, it comes down to, as Deepika just said, did rich people get richer because of a policy, a public policy decision that was made? That's really at the heart of this. I don't know that this report is going to conclusively say that. I expect it will reinforce those question marks and maybe th- there might be a dog or two that that gets connected somewhere or maybe not we'll we'll have to see but that's really i think what is on people's minds did did the system get gamed here somehow to benefit people who otherwise wouldn't and that's what we'll wait and see and tamara anybody slice it at 11 o'clock it's going to be a healthy serving of political chum yeah and you know what depending on what what comes out in in the auditor general's report i don't think that it's necessarily going to matter 
whether there was scope creep. If this puts into people's minds even more all of the stink that is around this land swap, then, I, I mean, does it really matter who it is that gave the information? I don't think so. It, uh, what I found really interesting reading Rob Benzie's uh, story in The Star today was, and I mean, this isn't surprising because it was The Star and The Narwhal that first, I believe it was them that first reported on the um, the developers that were apparently close to Ford benefiting from this. Um, but it was interesting reading it because there's just the slightest of mentions of the fact that Ford... Had, and it was an indirect mention that Ford had originally said he wouldn't touch the green belt and then he did touch the green belt. But it was a very expansive story. And there was so much more juicy information in there that is ripe for speculation. And if any of that inf that speculation turns to hard information at today's news conference or even further speculation, that could be big trouble for the Ford government. It's a story that will unfold right here on News Talk 1010. We're not carrying the Auditor General live, but we will bring you all of the details of her report. And then, of course, on another show later on this afternoon, we have the housing minister and uh, the premier, if not others, who are also going to be speaking. And we'll continue to follow that. Should be an exciting day. Like I said, a lot of political chum for pointy headed people like us. This is Christmas. Uh, Pierre Polyev has a new ad out. And let me start with one of our message people, Bob Reed. Um, it's a very effective sort of soft peddling documentary about him as a husband and father as narrated by his wife yeah and it's it's a very effective ad i think it's exceptionally well done there's a companion one as well that uh Poiliev narrates himself this is the one where he's doing a jigsaw puzzle with his uh, his very young daughter and and he's touching on his his standard speaking points that everything in canada feels broken but we can put the pieces back together again um they're very well shot they're very well voiced and i think they're going to accomplish their mission and that is get get some people who are on the fence who have a, a gut level distrust of Polyev to maybe go, eh, he's he's not so scary after all. I think that's quite simply, I think that was the objective of this. Take the scariness off this guy so that people might think twice about him. And without overthinking it, Tamara, I'll ask you, because you've worked in the messaging business, um, this is so much about how individual politicians are now brands and occasionally they try to rebrand. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Of course. I mean, I think that a lot of politicians do that. Just look at all the politicians over the years that have had makeovers. And, you know, with women, we're always talking about, oh, look at their new haircut. But Pierre Poiliev, oh, he doesn't have glasses. Now he's suddenly, he's, is he Clark Kent or is he Superman? Um, this is, this, this ad, whether you love Pierre Poiliev or you hate him or you're somewhere in between, you you have to agree that this is a very effective ad that absolutely humanizes him and and i'm all about you know what regardless of what your policies are i think that we all deserve to be humanized because i think in politics and in life you know think about how people act on the road if somebody like cuts in front of them uh we're very good at anonymizing people and taking away their humanity so i think these ads are very effective and i think that anybody who saw his wife's speech at the leadership convention knew she would play a central role in his brand, and she's been doing a fantastic job of doing that. Deepika, this is a long-standing tradition of effectively trying to say, well, his wife likes him, so maybe you should too. Well, I think, you know, I have to agree with Tamara and Bob. Very effective ad, and, you know, it's sort of uh, really 
one of the things the wife does is because she's a visible minority, it sort of takes away that edge uh, that people have created around Pierre, that he's very right wing, blah, blah, blah. So it really starts to say, well, he can be that bad because look, you know, he's very open minded. So I think it's very, very effective at many, many levels. Uh, you know, the fact that his kids call him Papa in three languages, again, goes to that whole thing about, you know, he's a conservative, but he's open minded and, uh, you know, very multicultural. So very effective. But one thing that uh, did strike me uh, is the use of the word common sense. And I say this because, you know, after the Mike Harris years, at least in Ontario, you sort of saw the conservatives shy away from using the word common sense because it was perhaps tied to some of the, and I'm going to say this, excesses of the Mike Harris government. But it's kind of interesting to see Pierre Polyera bring that back. So that did, uh, I did catch on to that as well. But overall, I'd say 10 on 10. Uh, no more paper bags at the LCBO, effective the 5th of September. Tamara, can we survive this? I think absolutely. I think we're just going to start seeing people walking around downtown drinking alcohol out of big blue IKEA bags instead of the paper bags. <laughs> okay. Of course, we can survive it. We have. We. I, I think it's a lot harder to go for groceries and get like a, you know, fifty-five tiny items without a bag than it is to go get a couple bottles of wine without a bag. They're still going to provide the box. Bring your reusable, reusable bag. Everybody has a stash now. Yeah, Deepika, I have always felt it was weird if I go to an LCBO and I buy a single bottle of wine that they put it in a paper bag, which 10 minutes later I throw in the recycling bin. Exactly. You know, those paper bags, I always wondered whether they were a bit of a hangover from the idea that, you know, buying alcohol, you don't want to kind of show it off too much, although it did have the LCBO logo. It didn't make it any easier, right? I mean, you bought a bottle of wine and you put it into a paper bag. You're still carrying it the same way as you might if you didn't have the paper bag. So I'm 100% in on this. But like most people, I will say this, the number of times I've walked into a grocery store forgetting to take my reusable bags, I'm ashamed to say many, many times. And uh, so it takes a little bit of getting used to. But, you know, I'm just going to introduce something different here, John, which mm -hmm. is what about, you know, with paper bags, yeah, great, good to get rid of them, but it's the water bottles, the plastic water bottles. We need to find a solution to that. And I wonder, like, why, you know, you get sparkling soda in cans. Like, why can't we switch to water in cans if people must buy water? The water bottles, I think, is the real issue, and no one wants to touch it, but that's that's got to go. Yeah. You know what, Deepika, I'm totally on board with that because I try my hardest to have a small environmental footprint, and then go, I go to one golf tournament, and it's plastic coming under your ears. Uh, Bob Reed, last word on this. I'm still waiting for somebody to say, from my cold, dead hands, you can't have my paper <laughs> bag. Well, I'm not going to be that guy because I, I am a fan of the of the reusable shopping bags, whether it's, you know, the ones that hold bottles specifically or the generic ones that we all are starting to use at the grocery store. I, I think it's a great idea. And I think this is the kind of move that will help further train people to remember to bring it along with them. The trouble is when it's an impulse buy. Oh, there's an LCBO. Oh, right. I need a bottle of wine for dinner. Uh Oh, now I got nothing. You just have to carry it around like a good old-fashioned Presbyterian. <laughs> Thank you all. Good to have you this morning on the panel, and thanks for everybody listening. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.